I'm just gonna go. I'm I'm gonna free. I'm I'm gonna free ball it. I mean freestyle it. Or both. We'll need to talk about the homoeroticism in this film. <laughs> oh, is there any? <laughs> I used to fuck guys like you in prison. <laughs> okay. everybody, welcome to the Real DMC Podcast. DMC stands for Dave, Marks, and Colin. And today we are joined by Jamie because the film we are talking about is Rowdy Harrington's 1989 cheesy masterpiece, Roadhouse. Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. Patrick Swayze is Dalton. When he's around, anything can happen and usually does. Somebody gets in your face. I want you to be nice. Don't, don't be rude. Ask him to walk, but be nice. Help this gentleman to the door. Until it's time to not be nice. So says the fighting philosopher. Roadhouse. Does anyone know who Rowdy Harrington is? No. Well, I, actually, it's funny because I looked him up. I'm like, who directed this movie? And uh, when you go through his filmography, he has Roadhouse. And then you uh, you start going up the list of movies. And I didn't see another one that I really recognized. So, really? I, I did. You did Gladiator. Wrong Gladiator. Oh, whoops. <laughs> yes. He did that Bruce Willis boat movie. Yeah. Striking Distance. Oh, right? he did which Striking I, Distance? Okay. Which I, I, th- I think I saw once. And I don't really remember that much about it. Die Hard on a Boat. 1988's Jack's Back, which I think is uh, maybe... James Spader, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I liked that movie. I haven't seen it in a long time, but yeah. maybe it's not as good as I remember. But Well, this is clear, clearly the top for Rowdy. <laughs> Absolutely. This is his masterpiece. Roadhouse is truly a masterpiece. Maybe we can start there. So here's, here's a question. Is this a good movie? Is this a good bad movie? Is this a bad movie? What is this movie? It's a tough question. I thought about that a lot. Um, in this last week after rewatching it again for probably the 45th time would be my guess somewhere around there it's bad i mean we have to say it's bad especially after just watching it again but it's good bad it, there's so many bad and just unbelievable things that happen in it like you know when you take a knife to the arm you should probably flinch you know <laughs> that's just off the top of my head one of them not when your name is Dalton and you're a badass. All right. Well, right Jamie, right. Jamie, to be fair, it was like a little pen knife. And he knows how to uh, stitch himself up. So it's, it's not a problem. He's like, I can, a take, I can take care of that later what, in the bathroom. What does he say about pain? Pain don't hurt. Pain don't hurt. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's so many ridiculous things that happen throughout this. And I'm sure we'll talk about it in detail. But yeah, it can't be good because of that. And because of one other thing that makes it really bad. And I, I really don't want to make anyone mad with this, but Kelly and Lynch is just horrendous in this. And for that, it can't be good. Yeah, at some point we're going to have to talk about that because I think the chemistry between her and Patrick Swayze is, I, I think it's really bad. I think it's, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think it works at all. So Colin, Marcus, what do you guys think? Is this a good movie or a bad movie or a good bad movie? I would say it's just a bad movie. I'd put it in the same vein as Tango and Cash. I actually thought it was higher up prior to watching it. And I would after watching it i'm like no this is pretty bad movie like it's not it's kind of fun 
much like Tango and Cash is kind of fun, it's it's pretty bad all around. Is this the part where Marcus leaves for <laughs> like an hour and then comes back? Or it, it's fun, but it's not. I mean, it's no Young Guns. Oh, <laughs> Colin, what about you? I'm gonna say it's a good bad movie, but it's definitely a bad movie. And I don't know what I was thinking when I put it in my top five. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you actually had it in your top five? I thought so. I thought so. Oh, I have to go back so. and check the tape. Yeah, because when I was rewatching it, I was like practically falling asleep in the second half. It was just basically it's it's a bad movie with a few good scenes. <laughs> I think that's it. All the all the bar scenes and the fighting scenes are great, and then everything else is you know yeah. The the plot makes no sense at all there's a ton of cliches like it very it feels very similar to tingo and cash me like just from the like the villain having these bizarre plans and like this is a western you guys realize that right this is basically a western yeah this is is the the, uh this is the the lone gun rider you know rides into town he writes the wrong he takes down the guy that's trying to you know own the town or the the evil rancher i mean that's exactly what this is and all the names basically are Western names. Pat Garrett, like the you know the sheriff that took down Billy the Kid, Wade Garrett. You have Wesley, so Wesley's the bad guy. So John Wesley Harden is the he's the famous outlaw that shot the guy through the wall because he was snoring. You know, so it's just I mean there's and then Doc they call you know the, and she's a doctor of course but they give her Doc. I mean so it's it's all the Western motif. Uh, I in terms of my own personal opinion as to where this thing fits, I think so. Roger Ebert had a, in his review. He said Roadhouse exists right on the edge between good bad movie and the merely bad. I hesitate to recommend it because so much depends on the ironic vision of the viewer. This is not a good movie, but viewed in the right frame of mind, it's not a boring one either. I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah, I'd, I'd I, go with that. It's fun. It's very entertaining. Yeah, it's yeah. entertaining. It's it's a it's a movie that you could definitely start rewatching if you turn on the TV and it's on, and then you can feel totally good about like just stopping after certain scenes. You're like, all right, I'm done. But how many times do you think you've done that in your life? How many times do you think you've seen at least part of this? For me, it's kind of weird because I've never actually seen it just like on cable because I actually owned it on VHS. <laughs> you own this movie? I did. Well, I don't anymore, but yeah, we had it on VHS. I just pop it in all the time. You know, I was a teenager, a young man, and well... Denise is, well, she's Denise. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, we we talk about that. I know. I, this is this is actually this is a question I want to talk about later because I know what opinion you would have of Denise, or at least I'm pretty sure. Well, let's throw it out there now. We can just jump to it. I, I think you don't like Denise, and I think that like pretty much every guy out there loves Denise, it, with with one exception. That hair is really atrocious. <laughs> well, the hair throughout the entire movie is. I mean, yeah, everyone's got really, really bad hair. So I have to now. Now I'm sort of fascinated by your, the angle you're taking on this. So what what is your assumption that why am I different than than guys in terms of my other? Oh, I just think that that the hair would completely turn you off to her. But yeah, I, I will say she does nothing for me. And uh, see what I tell what yeah, I tell you. Just doesn't. Yeah, she I does nothing for me. Yeah, I don't. Doesn't you know? I don't get it at uh, all personally. Jamie. Thoughts on Denise? Um, I mean, I'd have to say she meant a lot to me as well in 1989. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus, I, I'm on Dave's side. She's all right. Yeah, I don't. I don't think either. You know, Denise, who's played by Julie Michaels, uh, nor Kelly Lynch in this movie, do really anything for me. Further complicated again by the the absolute 
weird dynamic and terrible chemistry between Kelly Lynch and uh, Patrick Swayze, because there's some really funny stuff as we go through it. We can talk about it, but they have a very odd relationship in this movie. The actresses are fine. I think just their roles in the movie are strange. Their characters are very plain, I would say. So. Well, how about your how about your various relationships to the movie? So it sounds like Colin was was a fan to the point where he at least owned it on VHS. So so I'm curious to know. By the way, yeah. I'm just gonna say I, I did not actually purchase it. My sister worked at a video store. <laughs> just to be and clear, so she, she would... you're wa- you're walking it back just a little bit. You're walking back your Roadhouse no, super fandom. No, no, no. I'm just saying that I didn't purchase it. It was like it it was a video that she brought home. You know, I found that I I loved it because it was just such great cheese she worked at a first class video right redmond right. and meridian yep I, I think i knew her before i knew you i think so shout out to first class video the movie i think is kind of strange because growing up in uh california and going to bars in california the bar fight doesn't seem like that big of a thing <laughs> just doesn't <laughs> seem like that big of a thing like it's not like you, you okay, pretty much let's... nailed it marcus <laughs> Every bar I've ever been to, there hasn't been like, okay, let's go to this bar and have a huge brawl and it's going to be awesome. And like, I don't even know of any bars that would be like that I've gone to. How about, did you ever go to a bar where a guy was just dancing in front of a fenced cage where the band was performing in and he was just shirtless? Have you ever been to that bar? No, I think maybe I missed the bars or something like that. Maybe it's a different part. I need to go to more uh, Kansas City bars or something like that. Well, as the one, uh, let's see, from Ohio that's, I guess, closest to Missouri, I, I guess no bars existed. Like this? What okay. I went to either. <laughs> that well, just ra- random knife fights uh, would ensue. Come on, come on, guys. Like, look, none of us has ever been to a shit kicker bar. No. True, true. We're probably not. I the think crowd. maybe some version of this bar exists somewhere, but. This one's just times 10. But you have to understand that this bar goes through the montage transformation over the course of the movie, right? It starts as a like a horribly broken down bar, but by the end, it's a really good looking bar. So well, it's, yeah. the, it's the equivalent of the fighting montage like over time, right? Oh, hey, new coat of paint, some new furniture. Oh, the neon comes in. And you, know, and you watch as the bar evolves over the course of the movie. It goes through. It, it, it emerges a beautiful butterfly after it starts in its ugly bar cocoon. It's got a great name, the Double Deuce. I mean, well, yeah, the, the Double Douche. The Double Douche. Gotta love Wade Garrett. What I want to know is, what did this the Double Deuce look like, or what was it like before, you know, it went to to shit? Because, as Tillman says, like when it he has new. this real sweet thing. Like what happened? But when you look at it, like on the outside, it's just it's. It was pretty rundown. It is very rundown. Yeah. I'll like, have you know, too, not just a double deuce transformation, that the first bar in, I'm guessing, New York. The bandstand? Yes, the bandstand. And Tillman, the double deuce owner, comes in from Missouri just to witness Swayze and, and make him a job offer at the bandstand that's doing well. And all they're doing is showing you how well the bandstand is doing by putting down the uh, American Express card and $100 bills are floating everywhere and everyone's having a great time. But yeah, Tillman comes in to see this well-run thing. There's also a knife fight at that place too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. Really? That's where he doesn't flinch. <laughs> Lots of knife fights. I mean, obviously I don't know the bar fight scene, 
but then the super stardom of coolers and bouncers i didn't realize it was like such a famous i was actually I, that's that's another that's another front end question i had which is is the bouncer cooler thing real is there you know is the is the cooler uh, an actual position or was it merely yes. invented for this movie no it... no there must be cuz there must be like a top 10 list of top 10 coolers that changes yeah. throughout the year <laughs> if you're the head bouncer you, that's when you become the cooler that's yeah, what yeah i think might... so Okay, but the like so Cody mentions that they worked in Dayton and the place was worse in Dayton, and then he has a cousin in Memphis where they worked also, and then he's in Kansas City. This is a pretty wide range to be famous across. He was working out in New York City in Tillman, in Missouri. I mean, that's a couple thousand miles. Well, you know, I think I think Dalton Dalton received the he got the MVP award in bar fighting quarterly. You know, it's like (laughs) best cooler of the year. So. And then every single person in the bar, like a bartender, he's coming in, or the waitress, oh, that's Dalton? Like, oh, you know this. Like, like, how is that even possible? That's great. Right. So (laughs) how how exactly are coolers famous, right? Is it is it totally word of mouth or do they have like some sort of fraternal brotherhood of of coolers and bouncers? You rip a few guys' throats out, you're gonna you're gonna make some news. <laughs> and how is and how is Wade Garrett how is Wade Garrett really maintaining the, the number one position? Because you know, he's bested a couple times in this movie, so I'm not sure he really is the number one person anymore. I think it's an honorary position. Well he bested. he was getting when was old. he bested besides him dying? <laughs> Jimmy Jimmy got him when they were having their uh, their one on one fight. Oh. How about this? We can jump into the progression, but maybe before that, just anything you want to say about the cast. So I guess we can start with Swayze. I think it's a I think it's a fun Swayze performance. I don't know that it's a, I know that he himself he hated the look of the hair and the, and the mullet look. That's he a, hated that look. Yeah, he rocked it for like thirty years. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> like that's his look. I, that's yeah. There, there were a couple of interviews that said that you know he had the roadhouse his roadhouse hair like that was his big regret from the movie was was the way his hair was styled. So I have a question. So like when you think of uh, Patrick Swayze and obviously we just saw this movie so try to take that out of your mind. But what movie do you think first of like? Is it Roadhouse? Is it Dirty Dancing? Ghost. Ghost? It's Roadhouse for me, and, and maybe with Red Dawn as a backup. Mm. I'm thinking Roadhouse. Probably Roadhouse, possibly Dirty Dancing, but Ghost is a great call, too. So Kelly Lynch, any thoughts on Kelly Lynch? Well, I mentioned earlier she's awful, and I stand by that. Uh, and the rest of the folks, I mean, solid character actors in there. Uh, from Tillman, obviously Sam Elliott was tremendous in this. It's all Swayze, though. I think that's probably going to make or break your bad, good movie or not. And for me, it breaks bad, good, because Swayze's just a badass, and I love him. I just love every part of his character That's takes the knife and stitches. He brings his charts and medical records to the doctor with him, because he always has them. It's just easier that way, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it. He, he goes all in. And you either are with him or not and i think you could a lot of people would be like this movie's so dumb and the reason they would probably veer towards more dumb is because they would think that his performance was just like that i think sam elliott is the mvp of this film for me personally agreed yeah everything that uh, everything that wade garrett says is uh, it just sounds cool even when he's actually you know saying things that make no sense whatsoever in relation to the moment Right. So, <laughs> and we'll, we'll get to a couple of them as we go through this, but it's like Sam, Sam Elliott could say anything and it's automatically cool because of that voice. Right. And the it way he puts awesome. up his hair, I always like that part. By the way, have you guys, have you guys seen the movie Hero with Sam Elliott? It, it, it's literally been delivered to my house today on, uh, 
Blu-ray. That's a that's a great great movie, and it's a great Sam Elliott performance in there where he has a monologue where he is actually you know because he's an actor in the movie, and so he is he is basically preparing for a role, and he goes through a monologue, and it's it's one of the great acting moments I've ever seen. So if you're a Sam Elliott fan, definitely watch that movie. Highly recommended. Okay, well, anything uh, anybody wants to throw out there before we just kind of start going through this thing and talking about things that we enjoyed? Yeah, I'd like to say that going back to the cast, what happened to Keith David? Man, he shows up behind the bar. Oh yeah, and then it's like. Ernie, and then nothing. He hands somebody a phone <laughs> like that. That's it, yeah. So apparently he had a much bigger role, and they basically cut all of his scenes out. Well, apparently the apparently the first cut of this movie was over three hours. <laughs> oh my god, I'd love to see that. No, I actually really would not <laughs> want to see that. Oh, you don't. No. It also apparently holds the record for the most uh, disconnects between what was shown in the trailer versus what was in the actual film. Because apparently when you watch the Roadhouse trailer, there's multiple scenes where, you know, Dalton's doing this, Dalton's doing that, and they just all got cut from the movie. I also wanted to call out Pat the bartender because uh, after, I, I think it took like whatever, 50 viewings of Roadhouse for me to realize that Pat the bartender was p- played by John Doe, who's the front man for the punk band X. Yep. Uh, I had no no idea he looks so so awful with that mustache it's like one of the worst mustaches ever and another another one of those character actors in there is one of those big one of the mean guys that works for uh brad wesley the bad guy is um it's a funk of wrestling and yeah he comes from a, a big wrestling family like his dad was like uh you know like a pioneer that started wrestling so yeah it's pretty diverse cast there so the movie starts this is a and i will say i think the credit sequence is fun the credit sequence runs about four minutes uh the interesting thing to me as the movie is opening so you hear music you see it panning down on the side of the the name of the bar which is the bandstand and then it waits until a woman gets out of her car and starts walking and then it pans up to her ass and then it actually shows the opening credits or the name of the movie <laughs> kind of gives you a sense of what you're in for in terms of the the tone that it's trying to set there you you always know it's going to be a cheesy movie when a really hot woman in a hot dress steps out of a Ferrari. Yeah. That would be a Ferrari 512 Testarossa. It was produced from 1984 to 1996, assembled in Marinello, Italy, which is the home of the Circuit di Friorano and home of Ferrari. Yeah, I think, I think we're good. I think that's good good backstory on the Ferrari. So thing. we yeah. wanted this to go three hours then? <laughs> yeah. yeah the, the track is open to uh, Ferrari customers if they want to test drive a new car. So just travel to Marinello, Italy and can... So anyway, so what happens is uh, (laughs) a guy named Tillman who shows up and you know that he's come from the airport because he pulls up in a limo and in a a brilliant moment of uh, exposition, somebody has put lettering on the side of the limo door that says airport limo service. Not the name of of an actual limousine company, mind you, but just airport limo service. Because, Because every airport has one. It's an, yeah. it's an important it's an important element you really got to frame up the fact that this guy is not from the area and he's burning through money as well takes a well, limo took a limo or not anyone could just take a limo from the airport that's and, true actually yeah he is he is trying to he's trying to roll high You're right. and he should have the double deuce as it's had knife fights and glass and what does he say eyeballs on the floor uh to tell you how bad his current bar is why is it open just close it because he says he's come into some money and he wants to rebuild it also agrees to pay Dalton 5000 up front and $500 a day and doesn't even scoff. And he has to pay all medical expenses as well. Correct. Which if Dalton doesn't have insurance, I mean, that could add up quickly. He's making $500 a night. He gets 5000 up front. Let's just say he, you know, like he works five, six nights a week. 
he's basically pulling down if he if it's a you know a regular gig about seventy three seventy two thousand dollars a year in, in 1989 that's or in today's dollars it's about 150,000 pretty pretty good for a cooler I'd say yeah good line of work lucrative uh, I mean if you're the top one of the top coolers in the country as recognized by anybody that occupies a bar anywhere in the United States, then maybe so, yeah. Or who reads uh, Coolers Quarterly. Yep. By the way, that, that's a different I, 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 have a <laughs> I have a subscription to Coolers Quarterly. But, different magazine. But, um, it, it's the wrong kind of coolers, but <laughs> whatever. When Tillman's talking about you know, why he wants him to join, his description of the bar is, it's the kind of place where they sweep up the eyeballs after closing. So first of all, that's a very weird line of dialogue, and there are there are many many very weird lines of dialogue when you go through this, and we'll, we can talk about them as we go. But and also as a description, probably not a lot of people want to be in a in a location where you have to sweep up eyeballs at the end of the night. Doesn't sound like a fun place to hang. You're a fighter. That's that's what you're looking for. Yeah, and then of course Dalton does get stabbed by a patron in the bar, and you see him uh, sewing up his shoulder. So it lets you know that he's a man. He can take a lot of pain. He's, he agrees to the to go clean up the double deuce, and so he just tells the current bar owner he's out of here. And then you see him go to a parking garage. Of course, he, well, actually, he, so he, he is driving a 1964 Buick Riviera when he pulls up. Marcus, no, I did, did verify the type of car. And he goes into the parking garage. He pulls off the, you know, the, the cover of a Mercedes. Then, then I think it's pretty funny because he actually burns rubber out of his parking spot. <laughs> into a parking garage that makes he has to make a quick left but for that first for the first 50 feet he's really going to light it up in the garage so i kind of enjoy that the buick riviera is a car he gets in uh, kansas city it's a 1964 buick riviera that he drops off and then he picks up a 65 when he gets to kansas city oh there you go in burgundy oh. mist i even got the pink colors so the first one is probably a sahara mist uh, pink color yeah the mercedes was like supposed to be this fancy mercedes it was like just like a 500 sedan it like wasn't even that like it wasn't like an amg or anything it's supposed to be like oh wow look at this mercedes because when he pulls it up the double deuce everyone's all like bad mouth and like oh detroit's not good enough for you it sets up some questions around dalton's character because uh you know when he gets to kansas city the room that he takes is you know on a farm with very little amenities but he does like his really Nice cars, apparently, or his nicer cars. Who is he? You just can't figure him out. He's a man. Uh, one other thing as a side character, um, he leaves his beat up car with the guy as he's leaving. He just oh, gives yeah. him a car. The guy that he gives the keys to, his name is Chino Fats Williams, but he's the same guy that was in Weird Science. Yeah, the, right. he's the he's the drink it guy from Weird Science, right? Drink it. Uh, what's this, sir? Drink it. All right, so Dalton does end up going to Kansas City, pulls up, and of course he does his introductory, you know, sort of observation. Like you see him go in, and of course it just lets you know how how much of a badass and how how into the bar scene this guy is, because he's able to discern everything about the bar in a matter of minutes. So he gets in there, and he's standing against he's standing against a pole. By by the way, that um, somebody has carved into that. It's Buddy's corner, so we never see Buddy. That's an unanswered question for me. Who actually carved that into the pole? But. <laughs> But then the, uh, the well, there's well a, there's... you know, Buddy is is actually Patrick Swayze's nickname. I didn't know that. Yeah. So is somebody on the set apparently carved it in there. Well, then that, I guess it is his corner. That makes sense. Uh, but but one of the another example of a funny line of dialogue. So there's a drunk guy that goes to pick up on Denise, and the line that he comes up with is he just leans up to her, <laughs> walks up to her, and says, "Do you want to get nipple to nipple?" Which is you know like as a casual line to talk to somebody in a bar. It's, that's an interesting opener. I'll give him that. Well, you know, this is the double deuce. It's really bad there. That, that's how bad it is. There's people talking about nipples. 
By the way, Jeff Healy, uh, the actor Jeff Healy, does a really good job of playing a, a blind musician. I think he pulls that <laughs> off really well. <laughs> I actually had a, a Jeff Healy album uh, back That's in great. 1990. Angel Eyes, baby. I think it's. I think his his music is really good. Actually, oh, he, he yeah, he's a, he's a great musician. Well, he was. Does really yeah, rest in peace. But yeah, it's one of the things that works. I think that's one one of the few things. Although it doesn't make sense because he's really good and he yeah. would never be working there. Yeah. But yeah, he's a really good musician, and some of the music's actually pretty good. Yeah. Well, luckily fun. he's blind, so he doesn't have to see shirtless guys dancing right in front of him. But the thank, funny thing is, thank he, God. He stays throughout, like, so it's like a total dive bar and nothing, like he's playing. And then it's like this, like, high-end bar, and it's all fancy. He's still playing. Same guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, at least they took the chicken wire down. When Dalton walks in, the you know, the bar is this total shithole with, uh, you know, there's already some broken furniture, carving on the wall, the paint's peeling off the wall, and, uh, of course, the band is behind a chicken wire uh, barrier because people are just randomly throwing bottles at them which if you know if you're playing in a bar you better be getting paid a whole lot of money if people are chucking bottles at you by the way in that first scene also um just to, to see how bad of a bar this is so tillman walks by the the um the payphone and then he sees uh on written on the wall for for a great fuck call and he's so he decides to change it to for a great buick call by adding a couple of letters <laughs> And it just seems it just seems completely pointless given everything else that's going on in this bar. He's got like Sharpie in hand, ready to go, and like that cleans up the place. I'm gonna spend a hundred thousand dollars to clean up this place, but you know, little touches here and there. So the, the other the other great thing is just another example of the weird line of dialogue. So, you know, Dalton's kind of checking out the crew that's working there right now, the bouncers. You know, he's he's doing his evaluation, trying to make make a decision if he wants to get involved. But one of the the head bouncers currently morgan you know looks at him and says uh, i heard you had balls big enough to fit in a dump truck actually <laughs> actually what he says is i heard you have balls big enough to come in a dump truck and i don't know that's real questionable phrasing there because yeah. <laughs> i'm not really sure what morgan meant you know did they show up you need a dump truck to carry them around or is dalton just that virile i don't know so there's a weird there is a very weird thread of, you know, sort of you know, homoeroticism running through this because I'll just, you know, point out that Morgan talks about Dalton's balls coming in a dump truck, right? And then you have Jimmy later that says, your ass is mine. You have the Wesley at one point who says when, he's, when, when Dalton's going to go to his trophy room, he said, the only thing that's missing is your ass. He doesn't say Dalton, like the only thing that's missing is you. He says your ass specifically. And then of course there's the famous, you know, I'm, I used to fuck guys like you in prison. Lots of lots of concern by many characters in regards to, uh, you know, Patrick Swayze's or Dalton's anatomy throughout this movie. It's definitely a running theme. He's naked in it quite a bit too. He's, uh, I would say 70% shirtless. 70%? 70, 65, that one white shirt that's like a some kind of weird pirate puffy shirt that's like <laughs> wide open. It just... He wears that. So if you count that and his shirtless scenes, yeah, 70%. But I don't want to be a pirate. <laughs> um, can we talk about Morgan for a sec? Yeah. I, I think this movie really actually needed more Morgan. He he gets cut loose pretty quickly, and then he goes over to the other side, but you really don't see him all that much. And I just love Morgan. I think he's fantastic. Say more. Why? <laughs> what makes him fantastic? Every, well, first of all, that he's just like an oaf. And he's always, you know, he's he's getting you know, he's a total oaf. He's getting into uh, Dalton's face. He just runs roughshod over everything. But yeah, I just thought there was a little more they could have done with him. 
They had a highlight Jimmy. Sorry, but they they had a highlight Jimmy. Jimmy. No, no, I know, I know. I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy's more like the evil version of Dalton. I don't know what Morgan is. He's sort of like Mongo. When he gets cut loose, he goes, "What am I supposed to do?" Dalton says, "There's always barber college." Yeah, that was one of the Tingo and Cash lines. Okay, well, after he decides he's going to take the job, then you see him go around town, and that's when he buys, you know, the 1965 Buick Riviera because they're going to rip it up, and then he goes and gets his apartment where you meet Emmett, another Western name, I'll say, and uh, Emmett has a line of dialogue that he doesn't want to be called sir because it's like an elevator in an outhouse. It don't belong. Don't, it, it don't fit. So, and then I think that, yeah, of course, then it cuts to the famous, you know, so, so Dalton's back in the bar, he's going to run the show, and then he does the famous cooler speech, right? So they're the bouncers, he's the cooler. I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. Well, uh, how are we supposed to know when that is? You won't. I'll let you know. You are the bouncers, I am the cooler. All you have to do is watch my back and each other's. Take out the trash. One thing I love about this scene is he's he's railing on people that, you know, you have to be nice until it's time to not be nice. And I'll I'll note that Jeff Healy and the band are sitting in the group, right? So, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, everyone. Everyone. All on board. <laughs> why is why is the band it's like you know, why is the band being taken to bouncer school all of a sudden? And yeah. and by the way, when you look at that, like Jeff Healy looks like he's really bummed. Like, oh shit, yeah, I fucked up. I didn't I wasn't a good bouncer. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I think it was an all hands meeting. <laughs> it, was an, it was an all hands meeting. The waitresses were there too. So I think they were just saying, like, hey, Dalton's now in charge of the whole bar. Like yeah, bartenders, okay. waitresses, everything. In Coolers Quarterly. Uh, which obviously everyone got back then. Yeah. One of the things was obviously you buy a piece of junk car because they're going to mess it. That That's all in the quarterly. So he read it. He was in, you know, obviously in the top five for a long time. Also, how to run a meeting and effectively fire people um, was in there too and training. Yeah. All that stuff's in the quarterly. I just want yeah, to. Yeah, th- I think I saw the have their severance check ready with the, for them right there. Right. I do. I've always liked the way that Morgan grabs his severance check. That's, you know, it just. He puts his hand down on. So, did you know that Annette Benning was originally cast as Doc? I did. Sorry, I'm freestyling it here. <laughs> I, I saw that and said, no, I just, she wouldn't have been good. She's too good of an actress. Well, so the irony here is that Kelly Lynch claims that Annette Benning was fired due to a lack of chemistry with Patrick Swayze. <laughs> <laughs> You can only imagine what that would have looked like then. It would have been uh, like the Brett Favre, Cameron Diaz chemistry, like at the end of... There, there's something so, about Mary. Hi, Mary. Uh, one thing I would say, too, is I, I actually think that they do a good job of giving the secondary characters in this movie enough personality to make them all like little, you know, just somewhat interesting, right? Like Red, the auto parts owner store, like he, he comes across as relatively sympathetic. Even the individual bouncers, like you have, you know, the big guy that kind of like, you know, he looks at Dalton a couple times and he raises his eyebrows, like, should I go fight? That kind of thing. The waitress uh, who the, you know, she's allowed to sing at one point and she comes and gets Dalton up. Maybe we can start with that because, uh, yeah, after Dalton takes the job and he is, has his first night, then the waitress kind of randomly comes to his house and shows up with some coffee. Uh, well, we but gotta... I, I do like the fact that when Dalton gets out of bed, he's he's awake for about 30 seconds until he lights his first cigarette. <laughs> so he has to, has to get his morning off to the right start. Well, we have to see his ass. I mean, how can we have Swayze on set and not show his ass? I mean, 
He's here. And the lighting's right. Let's do it. It's it's spectacular. I mean, it's not like Andy spectacular, but it's spectacular. I was gonna say she. I just love that he's there. This is his first night, right? And she randomly comes in. She like brings him coffee and a donut. Well, she's got a crush on him. By the way, I I, I love his place at at Emmett's. The uh, the loft in the barn might be the nicest looking barn loft I've ever seen. Um, and I'm wondering, did did Emmett decorate that himself or did he hire an interior designer? That's a good question. But just out of curiosity, um, how many, how often are you out there looking at barn lofts? <laughs> Not that often. I'm. This is just a complete assumption. You're talking about, you're mostly referring to the centerfolds in Barn Loft Quarterly, the other magazine <laughs> yes. you subscribe to. Exactly. Okay. Also, you got to know that the value of that loft is going to go down a lot because... You know, spoiler, but the, the main, the main farmhouse blows up. So. The, the, yeah, the house does blow up, unfortunately. Kind of a, it's just a, sort of a weird location because it's the barn is right on the side of this river, and immediately across is Brad Wesley's uh, palatial estate. Just kind of, <laughs> kind of funny. Turns out they just built that set for the movie. There yeah. is no actual barn there, but the house is real. I, I the same thing with the uh, Double Deuce and uh, Red's Auto Repair Shop, which is conveniently right across the street also <laughs> all right we have two locations that's all we're doing <laughs> we're gonna do this house and we're gonna do this <laughs> they kind of skip over the town of jasper almost in its entirely which is where the bar is supposed to be the the town of jasper which there is actually a jasper missouri it's about two hours south of kansas city it's not actually right outside kansas city yeah this actually takes place in like santa clarita <laughs> I mean, like that, that's where they filmed it. I guess they did some interior shots in a bar in Anaheim. <laughs> that was the other. Uh, yeah, that's where the uh, the bandstand is. Yeah, you could tell Reds is just like a a facade because there's a fire later at, at Reds, and like I don't know what was inside. Maybe fireworks because the whole <laughs> thing just blows up and it's gone. And then like what's left? Nothing. There's nothing there. <laughs> so it turns out Red actually belonged to a local militia. <laughs> and uh, he was storing explosives there. Can we agree though that if Red did have insurance, that's like the best thing that ever happened to him? Because he's not he's not making it on those five dollar antennas he's selling to uh, Dalton. Does tires. a hobby horse have a wooden dick? <laughs> <laughs> Another example of some interesting dialogue throughout this movie. <laughs> Swayze gets into his first couple fights, I guess, at the bar, and then he gets cut. And then he has to go to the hospital, and that's where he ends up meeting Kelly Lynch. And great thing about this is he does bring his medical records with him, and his medical records contain information, the fact that he has a, a degree in philosophy from... NYU. Okay, well, so technically Correct. it NYU. says that he went to NYU. Okay. And then she asks Jesus, him... what did you study? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's not like it just... His medical records say he have all his details. Oh, philosophy major. When you're sitting in the in the, the waiting room, it's like, do you have any cough, sneezing? Uh, what what uh, what college did you attend? What level of degree did you no, the, obtain? No, you're right about that. <laughs> yeah. You're right about that, but I don't know. Also, we know there's two things that I love about that scene. Yes, the medical records, for sure, but... One, we know that she's smart because Kelly Lynch, Dr. Clay, she's wearing glasses. <laughs> she is. True. So she was immediately like, oh, she's smart. She's a doctor. Okay. In the chart, also 31 broken bones and two bullet wounds as well is in there, along with the staples he was getting. It's funny, though, because if you see him doing Tai Chi, you don't see any of those marks on his, uh, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> his <true>. body. <laughs> And Marcus was looking. Let me tell you, he was oh, looking. It seems like the scars, the scarring comes and goes throughout the movie. Because, you know, sometimes they're there and sometimes not. He heals quickly. It's a continuity issue. 
he invites the doc to come down and see him at the double deuce afterwards. So she does show up. I guess we can probably just jump to that. When she shows up to the to the double deuce. Can someone tell me why she's wearing a tablecloth? <laughs> it's a weird look. She's going on a picnic and she wanted to blend in with a <laughs> tablecloth. Seemed like a uh, odd choice for a pattern for that dress. Also, probably not a lot of single guys available to her because, you know, she's like, yeah, I'm in. I saw this guy. He came in, had his medical records. He works as a bouncer and gets in knife fights constantly. And yeah, I'll go see him. Yeah, that's what I want. (laughs) Yeah. She, she, She was drawn to the danger. Come on. No, it was the hair. It's totally the hair. By the way, they, they have a they have a weird timeline in this movie in terms of the the time of day when they're going out and hanging out together, right? Because she comes and shows up as he's leaving the bar. Like, was it two o'clock in the morning at that point? And then they're going to go out and hang out. It cuts to Tina of them at the diner, and this is where I think it's a good example of where the, I don't think the chemistry, the energy is working. It it almost like it when it cuts to them at the diner, you would think that they had been like dating for three years and the relationship was on the rocks and they were just on the, on the outs and they were, they had a massive fight a couple hours ago. Like that's actually what the energy feels like when you sit there. Cause Dalton's kind of stone faced and she's looking at him and nobody else. There's, you know, one guy sitting at the counter, but it's, it's not, it's not particularly playful or joyous. I think it's a very strange energy. Agreed. Annette Benning would have been much better, but again, <laughs> he couldn't put her in this movie. <laughs> I think she read the script. I think she read the script and then she was like, no, nothing. I'll do, I'll do that. Rob Reiner. American president one that looks a lot better but see what's great about that is so they leave the diner and when they go back uh there's another another scene I think it's pretty funny where they are sitting in her jeep and they have what is the slowest lean into a kiss probably in movie history because they start leaning and then they have to unclip their seat belts and then they keep leaning and they keep leaning and they finally kiss and it just looks awkward as hell and I don't think I don't think it works I think what happened there is that Kelly Lynch wasn't wearing her glasses and she really needed to. And so she just was having problems judging distance. <laughs> she had a depth perception problem when it came yep. to kiss. Yeah. I also think it was probably late in the night or that it was a long day of shooting. And Rowdy was like, I, I got to get out of here because let's just cut this. They're like, should we shoot this again? And like, like, nah, just take off the seatbelts. And he's like, nah, I, we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, screw it. We're not, we're not, we're not rolling again. He's like that's gold. We'll take it. Go cut. One of the things that you need to to you know communicate to the audience is that uh, Patrick Swayze is all about safety, and he 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 wants to make sure that Dalton wears his seatbelt. But I will say that Wade Garrett, when he shows up on his motorcycle, he's not wearing a helmet. That's <laughs> fucking Wade Garrett. He's badass, dude. Are we gonna jump into uh, Mr. Elliot now? Because there's talk about Swayze's charisma and what works in this movie, and the reason I've watched it a hundred times. Uh, yeah, uh, Sam Elliott is so phenomenal in this movie. I loved it. Well, we should talk about how Dalton gets Sam Elliott there, which is he he calls him on the phone, and this is one of the great lines of dialogue where he says, uh, you know, "Hey, what's it's like? How's it going? Like, what are you getting? Uh, you know, it's like amazing what you can get used to." And then his reply to that is, "Yeah, there's a sign over the urinal here that says, don't eat the big white men.' You having trouble? Uh, you know, nothing I'm not used to." But it's amazing what you can get used to, huh? Yeah, tell me about it. This place has a sign hanging over the urinal that says, Don't eat the big white men. <laughs> Why? <laughs> like, that's a very strange... I think it was the big white mint. The big white mint. <laughs> what? 
the, 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 the big puck. white mint, the the little urinal cake. Urinal cake. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. okay. Well, then, thank you. That clarifies it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if you rewrote it as men, it might work better. It actually does fit more in with this movie. <laughs> that's that's hilarious, man. Because I always heard it the other way, and now I'm like, oh, well, okay. Now, now it makes a little sense. Now you understand why I thought it was really a weird line of dialogue. Benefits of captions. Yeah, so he does call Wade Garrett, but before Wade Garrett arrives, uh, Dalton goes out and has an interview with Brad Wesley, and there is a fun moment where they go and get Dalton, and when they arrive to the farm, you know, Dalton's just randomly taking a nap on the hood of his car. <laughs> yeah, what was up? It was, it was like, I've, he didn't even say, like, I've been expecting you, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, right. He's just chilling, just, take, just taking a nap on his car. By the way, there was this one scene, it was earlier, when uh, Dalton is... Uh, kicking back uh it's late in the evening he's in his um his his barn loft there and there's that party you know um across the way where oh, yeah. everyone you know everyone jumps into the gets naked and jumps into the pool at brad wesley's yeah because we need and, more boobs right exactly dalton's sitting there and he's like he's again shirtless you're right jamie and he he looks at he's looking at the one so he like puts down his book he turns off the light and I swear to God, I thought he was going to rub one out right there. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't. He does not. Um, there, w- there was a three-hour cut of this, remember? So you never know what they, what they dropped. So Dalton goes out to meet Wesley. And this is where Wesley talks about the master plan he has for the town and all the great things he's done for the town. And uh, he notes that two of the businesses that he got into town, and this, this really shows a lot of sway in my mind, is he got a 7-Eleven and a photo mat. And because of his hard work at J.C. Penney's, he's going to be joining the town. So if, if that's not like, you know, if that's not spiking the football to say that you have reinvigorated your uh, your community, I don't know what is. J.C. Penney's, baby. They're coming. I'm bringing the pennies to town. And the photo mat, right? Because photo mat, like the, they, have a, they have a pretty brilliant future ahead of them. And this is 1989, too. So weren't we right on the edge of digital photography? At this I mean... Point? If Brad Wesley, if, you know, he might have just, the next thing he was going to do before he dies in the end is he was going to get a blockbuster there. Yeah, could have been the next thing, the next big thing. You never know. Well, that is a a question I would like to pose to the group is, Brad Wesley, could this happen? Would, uh, could uh, Brad Wesley exist in a small town in Missouri where people pay, you know, uh, 10, 15% of my sales each week are going to go to this guy? No, this is clearly racketeering. Is he a mob boss? I mean, maybe it's a small town. I don't know. I think the uh, the city fathers could you know band together and well, I guess they do in the end and they shoot him. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but He's no, a monster I, truck man. No, he I just don't. I don't do what well, he wants. <laughs> yeah, can we talk about the monster truck for a minute? I've, I've got, Let's talk about the monster truck. Um, <laughs> so what, what is it with what is it about the 1980s and monster trucks the late 80s and monster trucks actually and and, and bear bonds and ninjas <laughs> i'm surprised there were no bear bonds and ninjas in this movie that is a great combo right there monster so, truck bear bonds and ninjas oh, so that's the, great. the connection to uh tango cash it is the bigfoot seven that is actually the same car filmed in both of them and uh, it was created by Jim Cramer and Bob Chandler. They paired up to start making these. It's a Ford F-250. And they put on some 66-inch tires on the truck. So it is the same truck in both movies. Same exact one. 
And there was. And are, are, there, are those things street legal? Can you drive a uh, Can you drive a monster truck just on the well, on the street? I think so. Th that's the thing. You know, there's this monster truck craze, and like you know, Jim Cramer, right? He was they were gonna start selling these things. I mm -hmm. actually bought one, and <laughs> then I drove over my neighbor's car, and I got arrested. <laughs> so yeah, the the craze sort of died out. I thought that maybe if you had a monster truck, though, you were just given, uh, like, you, you were given the right to rampage through communities because that's the purpose of the monster truck, right? But, well, yeah, so he, they, they, uh, they roll over the whole um, Ford dealership. And that was done, like, one shot. That was the only take of it. And then it cost, it was, like, a $500,000. That was $500,000 shoot. Like, if they screwed it up, they were going to be, like, we can't trash this many cars. <laughs> this is a little much. Although the, the cars that do get trashed during that scene, when you look at them, it's yeah, uh, it looks different. like a it looks, looks like a station wagon from the late seventies is one of the cars that gets rolled over. So I, I can't imagine that. Uh, and in fact, I noticed that they put up a banner, you know, in that scene that says "Wagon Days." I think as a way to justify that they went out and bought these like two thousand dollars station wagons and parked yeah, them there okay. so they could drive over them. So yeah, yeah, I'm kind of wondering, but where did that five hundred thousand dollars go? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a couple of grand for each of those cars. They have to erect some uh, glass walls. Apparently, there was no ceiling or roof to that because it would have just caved in and crushed everyone. It, it just doesn't half a million, really, for that scene. Insurance, buddy. Insurance. <laughs> they built. I wonder if they uh, they they included the cost of the Bigfoot because it was built specifically for Roadhouse, but it was actually built, used in Tango and Cash too. So I, I went on the uh, production, like how that worked out. How would so, you rank the the monster truck performances between? Tango and Cash in this film. Oh, I would say definitely uh, uh, Roadhouse. It's much better, be much better use of a monster truck. Really? Was Bigfoot Seven? Was that also used in Rolling Thunder? I don't have the notes. On Is that, that what it's called? The big, the, the monster truck movie that played at Century Amadan? Rolling Vengeance, I think. Rolling Vengeance. Okay. That might have been Bigfoot Five. And by the way, I think on an earlier podcast, I think I said Rolling Thunder, and you corrected me to Rolling Vengeance. <laughs> no, because I, I really don't know what the movie is. The servant has become the master, Colin, when it comes to monster truck movie knowledge. <laughs> it was a long stand standoff at the dealership, and then they crush all the cars. It seems like half the town has turned out, but the sheriff is nowhere. <laughs> well, certainly, certainly oh. the entire the entire bar crew is there, which is which is great, right? It's like Dalton's driving by, and one of the bouncers runs up and and tells him that you know Wesley's about to do this, and then and then when you when they go over there, like. All like all the bartenders, all the waitresses are all standing in the background. So we only have one cast here. We gotta use them in every exactly. Scene. <laughs> it's like screw screw extras. Let's just get the main characters over here. There's a station wagon sale. Yeah. Everyone's here. Which is funny though, because like <laughs> it, is, it was wagon days. I mean, come on. The entire movie, the the only time the sheriff actually I think shows up is at the very last scene. There's all these bar fights, right? There's people getting stabbed. Not a single cop in this entire movie until the very last scene. And then at the very last scene, they murder them. And then they're just like, did you see anything? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one saw anything. I guess <laughs> Guess it's okay. Uh, I did a little research. And did you know that that is uh, based uh, or at least inspired by a real case in Missouri? 1981. The, the, the town bully, there was this guy who was the town bully who had been in, indicted on 21 felonies and I think only one had stuck and he was he was known to harass people with uh, threatening them with guns and that kind of stuff. And apparently in broad daylight in front of 40 and 50 people in the city, he was shot dead by at least two different attackers in the middle of the street just in front of everybody. And the law enforcement came in to interview everybody and they all said, didn't see anything. Still remains an unsolved murder to this day. Last thing I want to say about the monster truck yep. is that um, at some point, I think it was Dalton's talking to 
Doc in the parking lot. Oh, yeah. He, they're in the Jeep, right? And they're having their conversation in the Jeep. Jimmy and one of the other henchmen are like, happen to be like sitting inconspicuously outside the double deuce in the monster truck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that doesn't stand out at all. So not only that, but they actually, what's, what's great about Jimmy and whoever he's with when they're doing their pickups, they, they have this like Scooby-Doo villain evilness because they're sitting in, they're sitting in the monster truck and uh, they're like, oh, dig a hole because, you know, he's like, he's with, uh, Dalton's with, uh, you know, Wesley's ex-girlfriend or ex-wife, depending on how you interpret it, I guess. Um, and then the other time is when they pull up in front of Reds and they, after they've just basically extorted money out of Reds, they come out. The guy jumps in the car and he evilly says, business is good. And then they peel out of there. <laughs> so apparently that's their shtick. They like to drive around and, and you know, act like evil, evil henchmen out of a Scooby-Doo cartoon. It's pretty funny. Ruff, Wade Garrett does show up. So you see Sam Elliott riding on a motorcycle without a helmet. And uh, he walks into the bar and says, you know, is there a skinny, you got a skinny little runt named Dalton working here. And at that point, uh, Dalton's in the back getting his ass kicked. And of course, then you get to see Sam Elliott and all of his greatness jump in. I will say that Sam Elliott isn't moving super fast as a fighter in this movie. <laughs> no, but they set you up. You've got to know how to deal with these guys. Again, it's in the magazine if you read it. But you take out the knee. Take the out the knee. knee. The yeah. knee is key, and that's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, but but I, I think Sam Elliott moves around like he actually had his knee taken out at some point. So maybe that's why he knows that it hurts. I would have to say Patrick Swayze's fighting is not great either in the whole movie. Like he loves a roundhouse kick and he's very, very slow at it. <laughs> and they don't seem to land with much impact or force, but I want to know why, why when Dalton was getting, um, getting worked over by three guys, he's like sweating profusely. He sweats, he sweats Does it a lot take a lot of energy to get punched in the stomach multiple times? It's pretty easy because one of the crew with the spray bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> What's the I'm what's like, the humidity like outside of Kansas City? Oh, very high. Very well, there you go. Maybe that's what's it. It was just a very humid day. That that town of uh, Jasper, is that Jasper, Jasper, Missouri. I think that's probably only about a two and a half hour drive from uh, from my mom's house. I might have to go yeah. out there. Although it, it looks absolutely nothing like Santa Clarita. <laughs> if if you uh, if you get there in time, you might be able to to hit the last days of uh, wagon days. So. <laughs> I yeah, I just want to see. Maybe there's a just hit the local bar and be like take my shirt off and start dancing in front of the band. <laughs> what are you doing? I love Roadhouse. I just love it. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. I love Roadhouse fans. Uh, <laughs> oh, God damn it. Got another one. <laughs> oh, by the way, I realize we skipped over uh, an important moment in this movie, which is, so before Wade Garrett shows up, Doc decides that she is going to bang Dalton. And so they go back to, uh, they go back to <laughs> Dalton's farmhouse. And this is where... <laughs> It's another another very strange scene in terms of the energy between the two of them because uh, they're up in his loft and he starts walking towards her and she starts walking backwards like she's afraid of him. And he basically kind of maneuvers her around the room by walking towards her and she's stepping back as if she's slightly afraid of him. And then he ends up kind of pinning her up against a uh, cement fireplace and then they start having sex and you can only imagine that that must have been super comfortable to have your back and head rammed into uneven stones while you're having sex it's actually a stone wall and yeah they're, they're very uneven and yeah. i'm thinking like are you enjoying this probably not what's her hesitancy as she's backing up from dalton in the beginning is it uh she's she's not she's not willing to fully give give herself over to well they gotta dalton. make it seem somewhat maybe like this this could happen. Is this believable? Because this is not even date two. It's like meeting two. It's like I 
just saw this guy, but he's got so much charisma, but I, yes, no, yes, no, will I? And I, I will agree. also additionally say that in 1989, I was 16. And as a 16 year old, I just assumed that that's how you have sex. That Oh, that's not how you have sex? I've been <laughs> no, doing that it, is I've been it wrong. No, I was like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that, okay. That, oh, do that. Okay. How, how many, how many, how many guys out there have tried to have sex with a girl like standing up against a stone wall right. and, Gotta and, lift them up and, and realize them against the wall. Re- realize that this is, they don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> What's with all the back contusions? It's like, oh, another night of sex. I think there's an overall message of like him being this spiritual guy, but then he's also a fighter. And so like, she's kind of afraid of the fighter aspect of him. And I think that like at one point, like, wasn't like the first fight, like she sees him get in a fight and she like run what well, not before he killed the guy, but there's another point too, where she's just like, Oh, I can't be with this guy. Cause he gets in fights and I'm a doctor. I'm healing people and he's well, hurting that's, people. That's another thing. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because that was another thing that I actually liked about the movie that, that for me at least makes it watchable because you get, first of all, it's R. So you can, you know, shove the TNA in my face, which again, in the eighties, I'm, I'm a fan of, but you know, they make it hard and they go for it. Like Swayze, he kills the guy. He yeah. rips, he actually, you know, they, they do the whole like, oh, uh, he's rumored to have ripped a guy's throat out in Memphis. And it was like talked about all yeah, mysterious. Yeah. He's so mysterious. But then they get to the scene and you would think in almost every other movie, he doesn't kill the guy. Yeah. But no, he actually rips out his throat. <laughs> yeah. Is that even possible? Like that was one of my questions. Is that possible? Like he just so. like there he does this like tiger claw and then just dives in and rips the guy's throat. You out. gotta have the world's <laughs> biggest Adam's apple to be able to grab onto it, right? No, I <laughs> go just the like other the way. The strongest like... fingers in the world. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> that's like, you have and the, that too. The, you know, it's the yeah. it's the force and the and the uh the rigidity of the fingers that really make the difference, I think, when you're throat ripping. But I think that's a central message of the uh, the movie is this fight against his animal nature. Like he's trying to be the spiritual and the Zen guy. He took philosophy, and then like she's like attracted to that. But then the the animal side of him is where she's like kind of like, oh no no no. The movie's really deep, actually. <laughs> you should have done it's something super, earlier where they said and he's deep. not feeling well. His his he's a little swollen. His glands are a little swollen <laughs> in the Adam's apple region. Just kind of point it out so and make it more believable that you can rip it out there. <laughs> I'm surprised that during the fight he didn't say, Don't make me rip your throat out. <laughs> have you didn't. guys uh, have you have you seen MacGruber, the movie MacGruber? No. No. No, uh, but I want to. Uh, you should, it's it's actually it's pretty funny, but one of the things that uh, MacGruber makes a name for himself by ripping out people's throats, <laughs> and you know that's like that's that's his move, and uh, and and there's one scene in the movie where he's done that to, to two people, and uh, Ryan Felipe's with him, he's like totally grossed out, but then he kills two people, and he's like, it's like I want to go for the turkey, <laughs> like for the third throat rip, and then he does it. It's actually it's I would highly recommend that movie. I think it's pretty funny. It's stupid as hell, but it's really funny. But I, I just question. Um... Doc's motives after the throat ripping. Oh yeah, I question her just her her reaction to that. Oh, her reaction to that is totally nonsensical. Or it's very yeah. Um, it's kind of like you know she looks at him like, oh, you're like you're this asshole killer. I'm like the guy just had a gun in his face, right? I mean, exactly. You know. She turns on him like in an instant, right? And suddenly he's persona non grata. 
He's supposed to be better than them, Colin. He's supposed to be better. Than he them. gave in to his animal instinct and he couldn't he couldn't resist. He became manimal. He should have done more Tai Chi that day and he would have been better off. This is uh goes to the end of the movie. Sorry to jump to the end, but the he's got the tiger claw going again and he's about to rip out uh, Wesley's throat and he resists the urge and then he's able to stay with her. So and then he okay. gets shot three times. <laughs> <laughs> So, so she like turns on him and then she says this great line. Do you think you're going to save this town from Brad Wesley? Well, who's going to save it from you? <laughs> it makes no sense to me. What was Dalton doing? Exactly? That's, 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 what, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. This dialogue is just all over the place, right? Like, uh, it's it, so, so good. Yeah. This is the point where like, I was really digging the movie and then like you get to, I guess probably like the last um, third and I'm just crazy. going like, oh, okay, can't. It just dragging on, like, go, go. I always sort of remember the throat ripping being, like, the end of the movie. But there's, like, still another 20 minutes. That's the start of the third act. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I'm like, God, what? Actually, what happens at the end of this movie? I totally forgot. I think I probably watched the movie up until the throat ripping. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. (laughs) I'm just like, it's like I never saw the last or the, the third act, you know. You, you recall like when you're in the theater, like after that scene, like and you're like, okay, I'm good. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> Just get him walk away. To be clear, I've never seen this in a theater, only on VHS. <laughs> only VHS. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so yeah, where, where were we? So yeah, Wade Garrett shows up. Um, they get into some shenanigans. Um, get Wade, into some shenanigans. Wade, Wade Garrett, by the way, has a. <laughs> Again, the dialogue that he delivers, right? So, you know, misogynistic, right? So, so for example, you know, she, the doc, doc is walking away and he leans over and looks at her and says, That girl's got entirely too many brains to have an ass like that. That's just, you know, that's just straight As up the camera follows the ass for about a good 10 seconds. Yeah. yeah. By the way, we were talking about chemistry. I think actually uh, Wade Garrett uh, had chemistry with uh, Kelly Lynch and. Like a lot more than Patrick Swayze. No, I would agree with that actually. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The brief moment they're together, it, it feels. I a lot thought more he was gonna fuck her. I mean, seriously, I'm like, I'm going like, wow, this is getting, this is a little bit uncomfortable here because I, I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna, <laughs> I think he's gonna <laughs> pork her. <laughs> yes, Russ, he's not, not gonna pork her, Russ. <laughs> oh, you're doing a nice throwback to a European vacation of all uh, movies. Yes. <laughs> Thank oh, you, Jamie. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> I did have a similar vibe as the um, in Color of Money with uh, I forgot uh, Vince's girlfriends in uh, Paul Newman, right? Yeah, Marilyn. Oh, right. Antonio. Yeah, yeah, I forget yeah. the character's name, but it was very similar vibe of the older man like hitting on the girlfriend and kind of like like oh, does she want to? Does he want to? Like you know. But the other thing they try to set up during the scene is that uh, one of the reasons why Dalton is you know, has some level of torment is because that that's where Wade Garrett references the story that where Dalton did tear out another guy's throat. And it's because he was uh, with a woman who didn't tell him that he was married or that she was married. So that uh, the husband came home and stuck a gun in his face. And it's a nice line delivery from Sam Elliott, right? So that, you know, you stick a gun in your face, you have a choice to die or kill the motherfucker. (laughs) So that's fun. But then the other thing that he says randomly is he's talking to, to, he looks at him, he says something like, you know, that dog won't hunt which sounds cool, but when you look at the progression of the dialogue, I don't think it makes any sense whatsoever. I think it's just something that... I think I think, I think Wade Garrett just likes to randomly spout off things once in a while that sound cool. Like, that's that's part of his personality. That's just, right, mijo. 
when he was when he was um, sort of challenging Dalton about that uh, about that married woman, he was totally about to call her uh, the c word, yeah. and he like caught himself and like, come on, man, wait, Garrett, he'd just call her a cunt. That's right. Also, interesting tidbit. I looked this one up and said, Wade Garrett's super old, right? He's got the bad knee and he doesn't have it anymore. They keep on telling you he's old, old, doesn't have it. Sam Elliott was born 1944, which means when he was filming that, he was 45 years old, <laughs> which obviously made me feel very old, but you know. Uh, I think I think Sam Elliott hit like the I think what he did is he rapidly jumped ahead to like maybe say 55 or 57 and then he just stayed there for about 30 years. Yeah, it has been so good as a 57 to 77 we don't know year old. Totally. The fight when he first um comes to the bar and uh you know Dalton's getting worked over. I forget what what Wade said to those guys but one of the henchmen goes <laughs> Mind your own business, Dad. Dad, <laughs> I just love that. Dad, he said, "How's it going, Mijo?" How's it going, Mijo? Mind your own business, Dad. You want to fight, Dickless? I sure ain't gonna show you my dick. Do the writers? This is a very important question to me. Are they in on it? Do they know? how bad this is when they're in the room no I don't no think so. no i don't think so i think they think that it's funny i think it's very similar to uh tango and cash and they think that uh they're writing funny dialogue yeah what i love about the what, what i love about dalton's dialogue is that he alternates between he, he they, they try to give him a couple little quip lines here and there you know where he has at, at the end when he has the revenge sequence and he turns into the standard 80s action hero you know tails again and he stabs the guy with the knife or um i forget there's another one but before that you know when he's squaring off with jimmy and uh you know jimmy says prepare to die his response is you're such an asshole like he just like straight up calls him an asshole and then when he grabs the body and he throws it in the lake he's instead of saying anything dramatic to wesley he just goes fuck you and it's just you know he's dalton is very straightforward with his insults which i appreciate right they're just kind of like casual you know usage of everyday profanity versus trying to come up with anything really clever until the very end then that's when they they try to push it a little bit yeah the writer is r lance hill and his only real other movie for credit is out for justice a steven skull movie Uh, that says it all yeah that was his last movie yeah that yeah that makes a lot of sense well, we kind of kind of jumped a little bit ahead to the fight, but uh, one thing I would note is that there's an interim period where Wesley comes to the double deuce, and that's where you you get to see Jimmy, you know, use his prowess when it comes to uh, pool cues, for example, as a weapon. The one thing I think that's pretty funny about that it's a weapon or or a pole vault. Oh no, yes. I was gonna say we should talk about the pole vault, but uh, the, <laughs> but one thing that I think is great is before the the before the fight opens up in the bar, one of the bouncers comes running through the door and says. Dalton, red store is on fire. As far as I know, Dalton is not a fireman. So if, if you saw like a, a burning building is your first thing, like I'm going to go run into the bar and find the cooler because he's the guy to, that should handle this situation. <laughs> kind of an odd choice. Yeah. So the, and yes, yeah, so, so Jimmy, uh, Jimmy takes apart everybody in the bar and uh, yeah, Colin, you can, you can talk about the pole vault. I thought it was spectacular. Oh no, I just wanted to mention it because it was, I didn't know that you could actually pole vault with a, a pool cue and that it wouldn't actually break under your, wait but hey man jimmy is really talented you guys ready to talk about the dramatic ending or you want to talk about anything before the dramatic ending 
yeah, I love the, uh, so I don't know, we're skipping all around sort of, but um, the, the one henchman who's got the, um, the blade at the tip of his boot, it's just kind of a cool thing and he <laughs> immediately gets his ass kicked. But um, I love how they put a light, nice little gleam <laughs> off the edge of it. I was, I was, I was going to say, that's, that's the right sound boot. effect too, like bing, bing. Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, we really man. want you to know there's a knife on the end of this boot. Yep. That's just, just, just good stuff. Um, we shouldn't skip over one of the most dramatic um, scenes in, in cinema history. And one of one of the most tragic is the uh, the death of Wade Garrett, and it, it was pretty. I mean, it, it brought a tear to my eye. Swayze almost cried. He was he was moved though. It was definitely a, a touching scene. Yeah. And they totally did foreshadowing because you know when they're in the bar, and um, there's they have this like, no, sorry, not the bar, the barn. Wade and Dalton have this um, touching farewell, and they really bro out and. And then the next thing you see is Wade Garrett's dead. He's got a big knife in him. It's great. Good stuff. Yeah, the other thing that, that Wade Garrett does say earlier in the movie is, you know, Doc, I'll get plenty of sleep when I'm dead. Yeah. So. Well, he's getting he's getting a shut eye now. Yeah. He's resting. Which is sad because they could have totally taken the Wade Garrett character and spun it off or done a sequel and just about Wade Garrett. Uh, could have still done it. He could do it before. You know, his... Yeah. Wade, Wade Garrett, the early days. Speaking of that, did you know that they actually made a sequel to this movie? Yeah, was it like Dalton's son or something? Oh, just that's no. still Dalton. Is it? Let's not talk about that. That doesn't exist. House call, something like that. No, what's it yeah, called? I think I looked at it or I, I saw it on the uh, the picture of it. I assume it was a straight to video based on. Yeah, the, yeah, I didn't, didn't recognize video. a single actor in the. So, uh, I've never seen it. But you're supposed to believe that it, if Dalton is riding in a town to get rid of the bad guy, he he agrees to give up. He's out of there. Right. So, yeah, no, that's, that's, I, I, it's funny. I was just thinking about that when, uh, so Wesley kind of screws himself because right at the point when they were just going to leave, it's like, no, he actually just pushes Dalton over the edge and then Dalton goes and kills everybody. Bad move, Wesley. Sorry, the movie's called Roadhouse 2 Last Call. <laughs> whenever, whenever you have to throw a subtitle on there, you're, you know, it's not, it's not great. Okay, well, I think we're we're getting close to the final Wesley sequence. So, anything anybody wants to talk about prior yes, to I that? I have to jump in. Yes, no, I got to jump in at the end though. Not Go. Prior. What do you got? Okay, two ridiculous things of the ending. One is a huge crocodile Dundee-like knife into the pedal of the Mercedes. Yeah, that doesn't make any Mercedes. sense. So did he stick it all the way through the pedal? It doesn't, but it, he takes it out and it's there's no hole in the pedal or anything yeah, like that. That made almost no, no sense. So there's that. That makes no sense. And then the car flips through the air and explodes and whatever. Um, but so also, that, this is his like prized car. Why would he just crash it into this guy's house? It seemed like a uh, useless He's angry, dude. He's tactic. very, very angry. Come yeah. on. Wade Garrett's dead. He and needs then, to embrace his Tai Chi. Let me ask you this. So if, if somebody just killed me, uh, you know, uh, wouldn't you take your, what do you drive these days? Sprite. I'm not crashing the Sprite into You're not going to crash house. the Sprite into someone's no. house like, to just, get revenge? I'll just call the police and tell You're them. You're not going to avenge me? <laughs> Boys! Avenge me! Avenge me! No. God damn it. What Sorry. kind of friend are you? Go no, ahead. we're going to look the other way and go, I didn't see anything. I'm not the... I'm not the greatest cooler in the history of uh, the Midwest bar scene. Well, <laughs> then, there's still time, dude. Career change. Go for it. 
the other uh most ridiculous thing ever and i remember it actually in watching it as a 16 year old thinking what just happened the taxidermy room that they're in there's the big fat henchman and how does he go down or at least gets knocked out by a like a big stuffed polar, polar bear, bear? Falling, yeah falling <laughs> on him yeah that's that's and it. then he's out like what do you i don't understand yeah it does make sense. Yeah, the ability of uh, damage to people, like so, like in many of the fights, all it takes is like a single p- punch or like a a roundhouse kick to the stomach, and the guy's like knocked out, which makes <laughs> no sense that you can get knocked out being kicked in the stomach. It might wind you or something. I don't know. The oldest guy, and then also like uh, Dalton is like he can fight anyone, anytime, any place. But the old sixty-year-old guy who's <laughs> not a fighter or anything. He can stand toe to toe with Dalton, and it takes three shotgun blasts to take him down. <laughs> the guy's like Michael Myers, basically. You know, as if Michael Myers was like, you know, I don't get it. Living in uh, owning a small town somewhere, it it makes no sense whatsoever. It's yeah. like, okay, we've uh, we we gotta have to have the big showdown, but it's like, how do you sort of like top Jimmy? I mean, yeah. Jimmy was a total badass, and he got his throat ripped out, and then what? You're gonna get bested by like Ben Gazzara, well, and, and he says he, he says like during the fight, he's like, "I thought it would be fun to fight you, Dalton." He's like, "Really? You thought it would be fun? Yeah. <laughs> like you didn't but, think you'd be picking up your teeth in like two minutes?" But, yeah, at uh, no ooh. point did he ever seem like he like had ever lifted weights or trained or have no <laughs> done it. This sums up uh, Brad Wesley. Um, it, it was when his little speech to um, Dalton, right? He says to Dalton. You wouldn't be human if you didn't love beating people up. I'm sorry, but I'm human. I don't like to beat people up. And pretty much sure that everyone, you know, on this podcast, they don't like to beat people up. Well, in fairness, have you ever actually, have you ever actually beaten somebody up? No. I mean, so you, maybe don't know like, if you, you don't really know if you'd enjoy it or not. I mean, you can't oh, you're, make that you're probably right. right. I should go beat someone up right now so I can. Uh... No, you couldn't hand it. You're weak, leader. <laughs> I think the ending overall is the worst part of the movie. I, I, I think that it's it's and it they is. make some strange choices. Like for example, when Dalton shows up when he has the car that that you know so when he, when he puts the knife in and the car comes racing forward, the whole crew is randomly out in the driveway with guns already, right? So they were just sitting there like, what were they waiting? They're just hanging around in the driveway all day with guns. No, I think they're waiting for him uh, because they knew like when he yeah, found they just killed Wade. They just killed Wade. So. Yeah, sorry, they just killed Wade Garrett. But I still think like someone someone's gonna get bored after a couple hours out there and like want to go inside the house and have a sandwich or something. What <laughs> you know? what I thought was funny was that when the um the Mercedes is you know coming straight at him and they're they're stall in a line like pumping bullets into it. Pat the bartender, he's got a shotgun and his leg is like kicking like you wouldn't believe, and it looks so funny. <laughs> I I didn't notice that. It, actually. It's it's all it's like he's got a spastic leg or something. Yeah, the car has this. The the, the you know, when the car is heading right towards the wall, and then randomly, you know, all of a sudden a ramp appears behind the wall. You assume because the car just takes off and flies over the wall. It's amazing. It's a it's a it's a it's a it's a miracle of physics at that point. There's a reason. There's a there's a reason why I I didn't remember the the ending to this movie, and that's because, because it's just really bad and unremarkable it's well it's yeah. because the climax is the fight with jimmy at that point yeah like that's that's the true climax of the movie and then everything else after that is just kind of you know i mean yes you get the revenge against wesley but it's a little bit of a letdown as a point of comparison which is kind of funny because it's a two-hour movie i think if they cut they could have cut it down to 
you know, like a 140 and it would have been fine and just remove some of that extra filler. They didn't need it. I think, I think Brad Wesley is like one of the most flawed villains in any movie because first of all, his name is Brad. And he's excited because JC Penny is coming to town. Right. <laughs> and here's how, here's how he shows that he, that, that Brad Wesley don't give a fuck. He swerves. He just drives around the road, swerving all over from lane to lane. Could be a dream. <laughs> yeah, the guy just drives like an asshole. I so mean, it's interesting that you say that. So you do an hour thirty movie, get rid of Brad Wesley, and make Jimmy the combo of Brad Wesley and Jimmy. No, 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 no. no. You, you keep you Brad Wesley, no, 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 no. hire is... Jimmy as his like as uh, no, no, his muscle. And then, like when he takes Jimmy down, like the police come and arrest Brad or something like that. No, 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 whatever. You replace Brad Wesley with Morgan. Um, no, it doesn't work. Okay. You replace Brad Wesley with Wade Garrett. Oh my God! It's a like a. Then you have to like. It's he, a big uh, twist at the end. Yeah. The real villain is Wade, Wade Garrett. Garrett. He wasn't really dead, and he had a. I've his... been running the scene the whole time, Miho. <laughs> <laughs> Then they have a big showdown fight between the two of them. Yeah. <laughs> and then roll credits. Showdown. That would be a, a more interesting finish than him fighting Brad Wesley, who was terrible. Yeah, it, I, I, would, I would agree with that. I mean, it seems like you're after the Jimmy fight at that point, the, the any sort of real interesting fighting or whatever is gone. Ben Gazzara is not a, uh, doesn't look right squaring off against Patrick Swayze. I know, they do shoot Swayze, so they try to give you know they try to give him a disadvantage, right? So he has a he has a bullet wound when they're fighting, but yeah. and they give Brad a spear. Oh yeah, that spear chuck. That's that's yeah. That that's one of the worst. You know, he he. So you see you see Ben or Wesley throw the spear, and then it cuts to what looks like a spear sliding along a wire, going about like maybe twelve miles an hour, or something like that. It's <laughs> past him. It's pretty bad. No, to be a, fair, the uh, actor who played Ben Gazzara, uh, he was born in 1930, so he was 69 when he filmed this. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing I think that's funny is. So at, at the end, when uh, when he's looking for Dalton, he's going through the trophy room. There's a there's a stuffed buffalo there, when you can clearly see that there is nothing to the left of the buffalo. And then he goes around and, and he points his gun on the right side, and then immediately Dalton stands up as if he was hiding behind the buffalo on the left side. So there, I actually at that point you realize that Dalton has teleportation as a as an ability. <laughs> that's why that's why he's such a good fighter. You you can't really see it, but he's subtly shifting like his body in and out of reality as he's having those fights. That's why I keep on watching this movie. Rowdy Harrington, the director, missed the continuity lessons in that class. He skipped that class. He skipped a couple of classes. (laughs) But with all that said, and this is a terribly flawed movie with all the things we just talked about for the last hour plus, why? I'd watch it right now if it was on. I'd watch it again. I bought it. I mean, I now own it because of Amazon Prime. I'll watch it again. Why? The reason why is because of, of lines like this. So what's the story with Dalton? The story is you fuck with him. He'll see, he'll seal, he'll seal your, your fate. fate. <laughs> this is, I mean, there's some good shit in this movie. Hey, I'll, I'll say, I think this, I'm a fan of this movie. I find this movie very entertaining. I would watch this movie. And if I stumble on this movie when it's, you know, late at night or whatever, and it's on cable, yeah, I'll probably stick with it for a little while. Right. Let's just say you're 10 minutes away from the Jimmy fight. Yeah, you probably stay through. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, bar scene, yeah. knife, bar scene, knife, bar scene, knife. Yeah, right. Exactly. The whole, you know, I thought you'd be bigger is a good running joke. Yeah. It's one of Keith David's 
finest performances. Well, the way the way he poured the coffee uh, was really well done. And you can tell this guy was going to be someone. Some other things I, I, I really liked just about Patrick Swayze. He uses his head more effectively than I think any other actor out there. The way he directs um, the other bouncers with just a short head nod yeah. is really good. Right at the beginning, the, the first shot that you see of him at the bandstand, he's just like nodding his head along rhythmically with the music. It's good stuff. That's good yeah. stuff. When you have that much hair, it really the head movement really works. There are a ton. There are a ton of little touches between the characters that in this movie that I think work really well. Like one is where when Wesley and you know Jimmy are in the barn, they're gonna get in the big fight, and you see you know Wade Garrett starts putting up his hair in a ponytail because he knows he's about to get into a fight. Like little things like that. And I do think the interaction between the bouncers is kind of fun. All that that whole dynamic is it, it's it's very entertaining movie. I, I enjoy this movie. It's not a great movie, but I think it's a lot of fun. So who would win in a fight? Would it be Dalton or uh, Bodie from uh, Point Break? Ooh, you know what? That's exact. That's a great, great question. And I'm also wondering if now, like, that's what I first think of when I think of Patrick Swayze is Point Break. Maybe it might be a tie. Well, it took you. Uh, you can't be the first thing you thought of if you. No, I know <laughs> didn't think I, exactly. Of it. <laughs> well, look, we are doing a Roadhouse podcast. I mean, yeah. like, it's a little hard to not think of Roadhouse. That's a good point. Now, one other thing I noticed for the first time in watching this was that at the end, during the skinny dipping scene, they've brought Jeff Healy with them. So well, he's you... blind, so he's not. <laughs> you think he'd get naked in front of him? He is. He is blind, but don't you think that's a little bit inappropriate? Like to sit there and you know bring him out there and then just have sex in front of him? I mean, it's, he can hear what's <laughs> well, going on, right? They didn't so... have a radio, so they they needed a little music, and they're like, bring the bring the blind guy. He can't what see. What if he has a, his daredevil senses and he's just taking it all in? You Wasn't know. he playing in the bar though? Like that, I think it was like two different scenes, right? No, no, I'm talking about the very end when they're yeah, yeah, yeah. skinny dipping. He's sitting on the shoreline. He's actually there. He's there. Yeah. No, I don't think it. so. No, no, no. I think he's no, no, like he... in a bar. They're cutting away. Like it's a like. Uh, I think he was like it was like two different scenes. Is my like what they're I remember like, from it? Was it. Like superimposed is what you're saying. I do no, no. They were cutting between there. like they should have just ended the movie with him playing in a bar in the bar and they roll the credits right well it should have ended the movie when jimmy's throat was in the lake <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the the actual ending but then for whatever reason they decided to have a swayze lynch skinny dipping scene in the pond they cut then they interspliced the two i think so i think he was in a bar like just playing along and it was like he was at the double deuce and the, everything's fine Hold on, I'm checking right now. I, I really need to know this now. <laughs> this, do you remember it like that? Um, describing Colin, I, I just have visual confirmation. Jeff Healy is in fact at the at the place where they're skinny. Share your <laughs> screen. Let's see it. All right. Oh, he is. He's sitting on a blanket. Yeah. What the hell? Does he, does he have a guitar with him? Yeah, he's playing a guitar. Yeah, on of a course blanket. he does. I what told else? you this is the first end. Yeah, first first time I noticed it. The end also that I just saw though, he, it's both are true because he he's playing in a bar. Like if you like when they roll the credits, he's actually so playing they, in a bar. Yeah, right. See right there. There's Jeff Healy. <laughs> oh, oh God, yeah. And, and, there's, there's, a, naked, and there's a naked Patrick, Patrick Swayze, Swayze going to dive into the pool. It's okay, you can't see. Wow. And then Jeff Healy. And Jeff Healy's got like he's got the picnic going. Like yeah, he's like, on a picnic. No, 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 no. That's not a picnic. That's it's just Kelly Lynch's dress. <laughs> <laughs> but on top of the dress is like uh, cheeses and uh, yeah. So salami. then this is the this is the scene I remembered him playing with the credits rolling on top of him. That's what they should have done. Skip the whole uh, skip the whole skinny dipping scene. There's no point to that besides. More, more gratuitous nudity. That, yeah. that was the point of it, I believe. Somebody wanted Swayze and Lynch nude again. How did that happen? 
they were like, oh, I got to swing by the bar first. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He swings by the bar and, Picks and up Jeff. Jeff Healy's there. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, nothing. And then Healy's he's like, like, I'm going to go skinny dipping when I have a radio. <laughs> Seriously, he's like, he's Dalton. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't have a radio. He doesn't have a television. So he's got to, how is he going to make music? Well, grab the blind guy who plays the guitar. And I'm just thinking like off in the background where you can't see it, the smoldering remains of Emmett's house. <laughs> Yeah, you know, does anybody, did anyone ever sit and think, like, what about Emmett (laughs) or Emmett? You assume that, like, Jimmy has, like, dynamite or something that he's using to blow up the house, right? And he goes onto the property, and his decision is to blow up Emmett's house versus the house that Dalton is in, (laughs) right? Well, he's trying to hurt the people that he he cares about. I understand. Instead of just, instead of just hurting Dalton. Wouldn't just kill Dalton, and you don't have to deal with the problem anymore, right? So, I I imagine Emmett moved into, uh, to Brad's house across the way. Small town uh, inheritance rules. When the, wait, speaking, the, the evil villain dies, you can move into his house. Speaking of of Emmett, when uh, when they have that the, the famous scene of you know Dalton by the the river doing Tai Chi half naked, Emmett's got a really concerned look on his face when he sees this, and I'm thinking like, what's going through Emmett's mind right now? He looked really really concerned. <laughs> Well, there, he was concerned, but also he talked about all the homoeroticism in the movie. Was he questioning his own that, sexuality at well, that there's, point? There's, there's that, strange. and Wesley's watching too at that moment, right? So every there's like a couple guys just watching Swayze do Tai Chi and sweat. You know, I'm pretty like, sure that Wesley just like sat back in a chair, turned off the light, <laughs> took off his shirt. You guys are, are you guys familiar with the movie Hot Rod? With, uh, oh yeah, I love Andy Samberg. So Andy Samberg has before he's going to do the big jump at the end. He also goes to the edge of a shoreline and he's doing Tai Chi. And then all of a sudden, this this guy shows up. This old man shows up and he starts like rubbing oil on his body like as he's doing it. So <laughs> I think that's what Emmett was really going for there. I think that's what he wanted. I think so too. Yeah, I think you're right. That that has to be an homage to Roadhouse. That scene in. Uh, Oh, no doubt. Rod. No doubt. Well, I have a couple of random bits of trivia. So uh, yes, Dalton sir. was named for Dalton, Georgia. Apparently the screenwriter was driving through the town and stopped at a bar there. And that's how Dalton got his name. Great name. Well, also, awesome. Colin, what is his first name? Yes. Yeah, so, so does Dalton have a last name or or like, is that his last name? His and the answer name? is, and it was in his medical file, if anyone looked close enough, yeah. which I did not, but I just read it online. Andy? Yes, it's Andy. Although... <laughs> Andy Dalton actually has the nickname Roadhouse mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, it's ridiculous. Jamie, why don't you tell us what his what his name is? First name is James, and his mm-hmm. last name is Dalton. Jimmy, Jimmy, fun, Jimmy, interesting. Yes, and Colin is correct. You only see it the one time. No one says it ever. Um, it's just in the medical records along with his uh, diploma from NYU. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody. <laughs> So nobody wants to call him James Dalton. I mean, it's just it's it's just Dalton, right? Dalton. The name is Dalton. The name is Dalton. I can only say Wade Garrett's full name. You always have to say Wade Garrett. I have to say, I, I told Jessamy the idea that you had about naming your next cat Wade Garrett so that when people <laughs> come over, you could just introduce it again and again. Gentlemen, Wade Garrett. <laughs> idea right i think it's a great and then just me like to be like she likes to be like what the hell are you talking about and get away from me back away from me slowly <laughs> exactly right emily calls and she's like there's something really wrong with him because he's just walking around the living room saying the same thing over and over again <laughs> ladies and gentlemen wade, wade garrett, garrett. Wade garrett. 
Well, then the other cat, of course, is 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 Dalton, and I'd just be like, the name is Dalton. <laughs> Thought he'd be bigger, and that's all I'd be doing. <laughs> it's like introducing the cats all day. And eventually, the cat would be like, "Enough, dude. Enough. I, everybody gets it. Everybody's in on the joke. Really, it's good." <laughs> couple other interesting factoids. Uh, when Jimmy picks up the log during the fight and hits Patrick Swayze with it, apparently he thought it was a prop log and it was not. So Pat- <laughs> Patrick Swayze was injured when that happened. You can see it on, on screen. Um, and I'm not sure if it was because of that injury or some other injury that he sustained during the course of the movie, but apparently he was approached to star in Predator 2 and, and also Tango and Cash, actually. And apparently he had to turn down those roles because of whatever injury he had, but he was still able to make Ghost. So that probably ended up working out as a very positive thing for Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Marcus, I don't get the sense that, that uh, Roadhouse was that exciting of a movie for you, honestly. I, I enjoyed it previously. Uh, this watch was not quite as enjoyable, and it does not hold up to me at all now. So on my rewatch list, it's probably every 10 years now. Every 10 years? Okay. Yeah, Jamie, it's how about you? Colin, Colin scale. The Colin scale. I would watch this yearly for sure. I don't see why I wouldn't. And if I watch TV like I did back in the day when it was just on TNT, and yeah, I would probably see, you know, many scenes many times throughout the year because you just turn it on and I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to watch this part because it's ridiculous and just fun. And uh, I like watching Patrick Swayze sweat. (laughs) (laughs) You like like seeing Patrick Swayze get worked over. Topless, slick Patrick Swayze. If uh, that's what you're looking for. Yeah. It's all here. You can, you can watch Ghost too. That's the topless Patrick Swayze for women. The band at the bandstand that opens up the movie. I, they looked really familiar to me. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So it turns out they um, the band is named Cruzados. And, um, can I ask a question wait, before you say anything? Are they yeah. the same band that's in the movie from Dust yes. Till Dawn? Yes, that's what I was that's okay. to yeah. I was say, that's, that's what I thought I recognized. Wow. They, they disbanded and the lead singer formed the band Tito and Tarantula, which is kind of weird. I think it'd be Tito and the Tarantulas, but whatever. And they're the band that played at the Titty Twister in From Dust Till Dawn. So I'm like, oh, that's why. That's why I know who those guys are. It's funny because when I, when I looked at the lead singer, uh, the name Robert Rodriguez jumped into my head. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure it's not him, but there's some sort of a tie in there. Jimmy, played by Marshall Teague. Marshall holds the industry record of 103 deaths on screen. Oh, really? Apparently. I did not know that. Also a friend of Chuck Norris. And apparently, by the way, he did ad-lib the line, I used to fuck guys like you in prison. Is it that he ad-libbed that or that Joel Silver came up with that and then they threw it in and it wasn't in the script? Because if Joel Silver came up with that, I I totally believe that because the man's a fucking genius. Well, I don't. I don't. I, I read it both ways, which was that he improvised it, and then Joel Silver approved it, or one okay. one thing I saw that said Joel Silver was responsible for it. But I mean, either way, it's 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 just gold. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good fight between those guys. Ultimately, do you think that Jimmy wears like a kind of a choker, like a necklace? He wears he wears the uh, the necklace that somebody that a, a cool kid would wear in junior high school. Yeah, I think it like, maybe has like a tooth or something. Tooth? Like the yeah. shark tooth on it or something like that? Yeah. yeah. He's got that and the earring, right? I was sort of hoping that there would be like another, like a Jimmy Light in the as another henchman and that he wore puka shells. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would have been a really interesting dynamic. We can wrap up the podcast with Denise Julie Michaels. 
this was her first film ever. I think she did a good job in it. I mean, as a, you know, she's, a, she's actually, she went out she did, she's done a lot of acting and stunt work. She's a martial artist. And the thing is, you've probably seen her. I've probably seen her in movies uh, since then, but nobody recognizes her because she has straight hair. Hair. Yeah, that makes sense. It's the hair. And she's I still, I still don't know close. why I got total clarification on why, why you knew that um, I would not be into her. Why is that? I mean, let's hours in a day for this one. This is. (laughs) I mean, let's be let's be clear here. You're not into her, right? I'm not. No. Okay. So he was right. Yes, but no. But I want to know how he knows that because now I'm afraid that he's been psychologically profiling me, and uh, he has the ability to manipulate me without my knowing. I'm terrified. Oh, oh! I've got a file like three or four inches thick on you, buddy. (laughs) How to take down Dave Harris? (laughs) All right. Well. That brings the Real DMC podcast conversation about the 1989 glory, glory, glory-filled cheese fest that is Roadhouse to an end. So, hope you enjoyed our usual long rambling conversation. Jamie, it's great to have you. Thanks for having me again, guys. Glad you could join us. Thanks, Jamie. And we will see you again. I think we're either going to move on to another 89 movie or potentially the 1990 year in review. Not totally sure, but we'll figure it out and we'll get back to you. It's the Real DMC podcast signing off. Bye, everybody. Come on, everybody, come on. Who's getting back to me? Getting back to me? Getting back to me? Who's getting back to who? All right. I I was a a 10 year old child being, you know, like waiting for my parents to pick me up in the freezing cold for like an hour. Then they realize just how much they they need you. So you can use it as like a uh, sort of like an affection tactic with your children you know it's like subtle aggressive parenting and i just want i just want to clarify you don't have kids right colin that's correct okay good just, <laughs> just want to make sure he's got four or five cats but i don't think that counts well i like to pit them against each other